0: Well, we're about halfway through our series on prayer and we're coming today to have a look at the most well-known prayer in history, prayed by millions of Christians or all countries for almost 2,000 years, and that's the Lord's Prayer, the best-known prayer. Probably not as well-known here as it used to be. We used to do it uh, every Sunday in church. I can remember saying the Lord's Prayer at school and in Scouts. It's less common nowadays, <laughs> but most of us know it. But the thing is, I think we we don't always get as much out of the Lord's Prayer as we should. I know when I say we used to do it at Scouts, that was a case of most of the, the troop trying to finish it before they actually started because they would just go really, really quick, get it over as fast as they could. But here we have Jesus telling us, what's the best way to pray? And that's something that I think we all wonder at times, just as the disciples did and they came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. Because You know, if we sit down to pray, we've got so many things to pray about. Where do we start? Where do we finish? Is it okay to pray for your football team to win tomorrow? Is it okay to pray for a parking spot? I must say that prayer doesn't generally happen at home in your normal devotional time. It happens at a car park. But we do have a lot of prayers. A lot of requests. Are we allowed to come to to God with those requests? How do we order them? Jesus starts off this way, with the what not to do when praying. When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. So that's the first thing he says. Look, when you pray... Pray to God. Don't do it as showing off. You're not, you may impress other people with your prayers, but you don't impress God. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Now, don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Now, I've got a slide here. I don't know if you've seen these before. These are called Buddhist prayer wheels. Have we got, is it on the screen? It is. All right. What they do is they write a prayer on these cylinders and people will come along and they'll spin them. And as it spins and the, the words go round, that's counted as a prayer. And you'll see they're quite big because they figured out that if they write really small and do lots of them, you could spin it and do 20 prayers at once. And you'll see also there's a great line of them. So all you have to do is walk along with your hand out like, like you've got a stick and you're running along a picket fence. You go and there are hundreds of prayers all done at once. You don't have to engage your mind. You don't have to engage your heart. But that, there's, that's not the only type of prayer wheels they have. They also have them in windy places so that the wind does the actual work of spinning the wheel. And if it's not so windy, they have it... Um, over a fire so that the convection current of the hot air coming up from the fire, it spins the wheel. And there are some that they put in a river, like a water wheel, that spins it, and that's counted as a prayer. And in the modern days, you can get electric-powered prayer wheels. And so the person who buys the motor and pays for the electricity gets the credit for the praying. Jesus said, Don't be like that. And we can be a little bit like that when we don't think about what we're praying. It's good to know the Lord's Prayer and it's good to say it together with other Christians. But if we don't think about it, if we just say the words, there's no real praying going on. So let's. See what Jesus said in the next verse. Pray like this Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. I don't know what sort of a father you had. I hope you had a really good father when you were growing up, but not everyone does. So I hope you don't have a picture in your head of God as a hurtful person, as someone who doesn't care about you, who damages you. He is our Father in heaven. He's the perfect Father, the Father that your Father should have been. When you think about it, why should we be able to come to God in prayer at all? He's this marvellous, powerful creator so far above us. Why would he take any interest in us at all? There used to be a phrase, and it's probably still used, to describe Christians as God-botherers. The idea being that God looks upon us as we look upon the people who come to our door and ring the doorbell and try and get us to change our electricity supplier or our phone supplier or something like that and you think, oh, wish they say, just go away. But God never sees it like that. Why? Because he's our father. He's always keen. He really enjoys it when we turn up and want to see him, want to know him, want to communicate with him. He's not bothered, he's delighted. He's our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. We are welcomed as a family member, as children. But we have to remember, too, that God is our superior. His character is perfect. And we shouldn't forget that. We shouldn't just roll up and say, hey, God, I want something. Okay, do do it. We're not giving him orders. We're welcome, but we're not his superior. We're not his equal. He is the king. May your kingdom come soon. Maybe, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we acknowledge God's right to rule our life, to tell us what we can do, what we can't. And we long for the day when the whole earth is obedient to his character. Give us today the food we need. When we come in prayer, it's good to remember that God has given us everything. And so when we come to ask for something, we're reminded that he is capable of answering that prayer because we know him as a provider. We know that he has given us this world, this place where we can live, air to breathe, Water to drink, food to eat, sunshine, health, everything. Everything comes from God. So he's not only got the, the will to help us as a father would, he's got the capability. He can do it. He can do more than we can even imagine. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. I think when we see God as he really is, we start to see ourselves as we really are. And we know that we've fallen short. We've rebelled against his kingship. We've done things that we shouldn't have done. We've neglected those things that we should have done. And so we come to him and we ask for forgiveness, knowing that through Jesus we can have forgiveness. And Jesus here gives us a bit of a a poke in the ribs, a reminder and saying, well, look, don't be a hypocrite about this. If you expect God to forgive you for what you did, you have to forgive other people for what they did to you. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. You know, if we ask God to, um, your will be done. If we want people to change, people to be reconciled with him. He's going to use us. He's going to use us and bring us to the place where we should be deliver us into his ultimate plan for our lives. But along the way, that means we're going to be tempted. We're going to have to relate to people, not so much at the moment. But as a general rule, God's not interested in hermits he doesn't want us to go and live on a mountain and never have anything to do with people. No, he wants us to relate to them, to love them, to share with them what we have learned about God so that they too can be drawn close to him. And that can be very messy. And when that happens, we get tempted, tempted by our own desires Tempted by society and people around us and tempted by the devil. And so we ask that as he is working his will in our life, he will stop us from stumbling, from going astray, from being defeated. Now, I'm often out the front here and I do, I've been doing the prayers for years, of course, and I've used a little um, memory device and uh, it's coming up on the screen, Acts. And this is a way of remembering how to order your prayers. It says adoration, saying to God how good you are, Confession, admitting our sinfulness, thanksgiving for forgiveness and every good thing that he gives us, and supplication, which is a a fancy $10 word for asking. But if you put up asking, then it's actor and it's a bit harder to remember. So that's, that's what I've been using for years and years and years It it helps the the flow of the prayer because you're not wondering what you're going to do next. And that's quite handy to use not only when you're up at front but when you're at home and doing your Bible reading and your your devotional prayer time. But earlier this year, I was introduced to another system with our Building the Discipleship Culture, BDC classes, that's based on the Lord's Prayer. And that's coming up on the screen now for you. Okay, right, I'm going to have to turn around here because I can't see it from where I am. This is a good system. I've started to use this. Don't agree with everything at the end, but we'll get to that. So we start off with our father and we remember the fatherhood of God and then we look at the kingship. We look at him as a provider. We look at him as a forgiver. And then protector and deliverer. Now, personally, I would put those two things together because you can't protect someone without delivering them to the end point. And you can't deliver them to the end point without protecting them on the way. So personally, I'd use a pentagon rather than a hexagon. Uh, b d c really like triangles and three sided things, so i think I think that's why they've gone for the hexagon and the other thing is it's joined up i mean the the arrow there is just to tell you to go clockwise, but it goes from deliverer back to father it 's not that they want you to just keep praying the same prayer over and over and over again but that yeah. You know, but my problem was that is We tend to look at the Lord's Prayer as the end of our prayers. You'll notice there's not much of the asking there with when Jesus was teaching us how to pray. There's a little bit with the asking for the bread and the leading, but all the prayers that we have for for the people we're concerned about, the sick and the lonely and those in need of knowing God's love, they're not there. I think the thing is, it's, Jesus doesn't mean this to be the end of our prayer. This is the beginning of our prayer. When we've come to know God as our Father, when we've acknowledged his right to do what he wants, his wisdom in making decisions and his ability to carry them out when we've come to him humbled, confessing our sins, and when we've given to him the right to keep directing our lives, that's when we're ready to pray. That's when we're ready to bring our requests to God because then our heart's in the right place. And if we're wondering where our football team comes in the thing, I think at this point we'll know to kick it down the road a bit and pray for the important things, the important things on our hearts, the people who hurt, the people who need God's love, the people who are unwell, those who are in positions of authority, those who are leading us in our churches. Jesus actually doesn't tell us what to pray. He tells us how to pray, how to get our hearts and minds into the right relationship with God where communication begins. We can do that at home. We can do that with our you know, when we get our Bibles out and we read, um, you know, as I said, I'm often out the front doing the prayer. Well, during the service, I'll be listening for what the sermon says or what the music says about the fatherhood of God or his kingship or his providing for us. And so I'll pick those bits out and put them into the prayer And you may never get out the front and do this. It's not for everybody. But you can do it at home when you're doing your Bible reading, when you're praying. It's a good way of getting into the place where real prayer starts, which is not to say that we shouldn't do it as a church. That's good too. We're going to do that now. But remember, the way Jesus means it uh, and first taught it, it was for private prayer, for individual Christians. We enjoy it when we get together and we all pray the Lord's Prayer. Now, you'll notice there's a bit at the end of the Lord's Prayer that wasn't in the verses. Uh, It's it's a good thing to pray. Nothing wrong with it. It probably wasn't. In the original. For yours is the kingdom and so forth. But the early church very well straight away put it in as a fancy finish, an Amen to make it complete when we get to the end of our prayers. So we'll we'll do that today as we as we go through the Lord's Prayer, and then Simon will come up and, and finish the service for us. So We could all pray out loud. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.